The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They are not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today on the Lab Report, Dr. Dwayne Jackson. Educator, scientist, athlete, coach, and awesome guy. I mean, everyone's a doctor of neurovascular physiology. <laughs> Smarty pants. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. I told you they had a Roomba lawnmower. Yeah. You didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. Robots. I still don't feel like it's very safe. Well, I don't feel like it's a good idea. Well, it's happening. It's However, happening. if someone's going to take on the Hornets, it <laughs> might as well be this machine. I love that. Hello. Hi, Michael Chapman. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, Patty Devers? I'm crushing it, living awesome. my best life mm -hmm. as per usual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good for you. Yeah. Uh, so this is a podcast. It's called The Lab Report. It's brought to you by Genova Diagnostics. Thank you, Genova. Thank you. And it's where we talk about things like specialty medicine, functional, integrative medicine, labs, stuff supplements <laughs> this is why we don't do this in the morning uh -huh. good lord i know um, sorry so yeah and it's uh it's it's a fun time we talk about other stuff too we talk about a lot of stuff actually we, nutrition we and do. We exercise do. science mental health waking we, michael up in the morning man see you know um this is where you do your thing, Patty. <laughs> well, if you're new to the show, welcome. And if you're returning, thank you so much for all of your support. And hopefully by now you'd have gone to iTunes or Spotify or anywhere podcasts can be heard. And perhaps follow this quirky little strange <laughs> or <unfollowing> show. unfollowing <laughs> no, after that start. After that. But yeah, so if you have further feedback, what can they do, sir? They can send that feedback right on over to podcast at gdx.net. That's our email address. That's right. No, I'm just saying, for one, there's I assume there's a blade on oh, these. There are electronic mm -hmm. Roomba like lawnmowers sure um, and it just seems like even though all possible ways to try to contain it the the risk of failure is much greater than an indoor vacuum well I'll tell you people are making that risk I mean I asked you because we were lamenting how annoying it is to have to mow your lawn every two weeks or whatever it is that Joe yells at you about and I was like too bad they didn't have a Roomba and you're like no way but guess what? We Googled it, and they do exist. I know, and I, I feel like it would have a hard time getting up the hills in my backyard, it too. It would, yeah. That does make sense. No, what I should do is I should get one just as a scout. You know what I mean? Like in, in the springtime. And just send it out for, like, the first mow of the year to see if it gets swarmed. By the yellow jackets? That's right. That's right. Smart. And then once I feel confident that, you know, it's done a first pass, it's already angered any sort of wildlife that could possibly <laughs> be angered. You swoop in behind. That's right. Anyway, Patty, let's get to uh, brass tacks, shall we? <laughs> we shall. Today, we are going to be speaking to Dr. Dwayne Jackson, yeah. who's kind of like been around. He's like an OG in not only medicine and physiology, but the fitness industry. He's been around a long time. Yeah, he's a longtime bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. um, has a pretty incredible story, actually, given yep. everything that he's been through. Uh, would, is it fair to say maybe persistent thrill seeker? Um, I think he would agree with that. I mean, being a motocross racer, thats that sounds like fun. Totally does. But, you know, not to negate his incredible genius and his years in academia for some of the finest universities in the world and all of his research that we all know quite well if you go to PubMed. So he's got it all. So this is going to be fun. Yeah, all right. Let's beam him onto the show. 
Michael Chapman, guess who's here? This is so impressive. I can't wait to talk to you. I know, I know. You're going to be blown away, everyone. So let me introduce to you Dr. Dwayne Jackson. Dr. Dwayne Jackson is a dad, educator, scientist, author, competitive bodybuilder, former professional motocross rider, and an entrepreneur. Just those things? There's more. Oh, just hold on to your seat. (laughs) He earned a bachelor's degree in cardiovascular physiology and a master's degree in cardiovascular and thermoregulatory physiology from the University of Ottawa. He also holds a doctorate in kinesiology and neurovascular physiology from the University of Western Ontario. He's done postdoctoral work at Yale University School of Medicine and the University of Western Ontario. His award-winning medical research is recognized internationally and has led to numerous peer-reviewed publications which have shaped our understanding of chronic stress and its impact on immunity, inflammation, and mental health. Dr. Jackson was a tenured professor at Western University School of Medicine and has been a medical consultant, scientific director, chief scientific officer, and formulator for various supplement and life science firms for over 20 years. Cool. Currently, he is the Director of Sports Nutrition Education for Prescript and Chief of Innovation R&D and Education at HD Muscle. Dr. Jackson's online platform, Vital Science, includes nutrition and fitness courses, coaching, and supplements. Whether you need help losing weight, managing chronic illness, or improving overall health, Dr. Jackson can help you achieve your goals. <laughs> and with that, welcome Dr. Dwayne Thank Jackson. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you, and I am uh, honored to have the privilege to chat with you guys. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Dr. Dwayne Jackson, that is a <laughs> lot of academy in that bio. Yes. Um, so, like, having been in the academy for a long time, being in academia for so long, uh, what, what led you to sort of leap over into directly helping clients reach their health goals? Yeah, well, it's a it's a it's a long story, but I'm going to keep it condensed. Okay. So, um, yeah, so so I'd uh, so I'd spent quite a long time in academia, um, 16 years as a tenured professor at the University of Western Ontario, uh, Schulich School of Medicine. Uh, I was the undergraduate uh, medical chair. Um, so I, you know, education always a real big big thing for me as well as research. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as we kind of as we kind of shifted into COVID. Mm. Um, I kind of noticed that there was a need for um, getting out from behind the Iron Curtain, if you will. Right. right. Um, the problem with medicine, as in, in Canada especially, um, is that if you try to um, operate outside the realm of um, the college, mm-hmm. sure, then it's not really promoted that well. Mm. So, so, so one of the things I found was that you know I accumulated all this knowledge, practical knowledge, you know, applicable knowledge, stuff that I you know in the field as an athlete, um, as a human being, um, you know, I, I, I suffered with uh, kidney disease and I have a kidney transplant, so I had that kind of sh- story to share. Mm. And then COVID hit, and academia became a lot different place to work. Mm. Um, we had, you know, our big lab. So I had a massive lab. It got shut down by the government mm. because we couldn't have the people in it to run it. Right. Um, and there's just, there was a whole gamut of things that serendipitous things that occurred during that period where I started to reevaluate mm-hmm. um, how I want to utilize the knowledge that I've acquired over the years right. to get yeah. out to the public. Love that. And so um, when I was on dialysis for my kidney, kidney stuff, mm-hmm. um, my wife, She's also a professor at Western in nursing, um, but she does all her stuff online, right? Because yeah. COVID changed yeah. that. For right. me, I had this big lap. So, so she, we, she, we basically just decided. I said, you want to know what my my outside influence and um, uh, business that I do is actually the, the lion's share of what we accumulate in terms of wealth, mm-hmm. as well as okay. um, um, uh, good feelings, good vibes. Yeah, right. Yeah. I said, I'm, I'm just going to go full force into this thing. Let's move to the West Coast. 
get a beach house, live in a little hippie town, which we are. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and the rest is history, to be honest. Yeah. And so I'm so glad I did it because it, it allows me to reach out, be, reach my tentacles out beyond the university, the paying student body. Right. And yeah. Paying it forward to it the makes world. Makes sense. Well, I'll tell you, yeah. you you kind of glossed over something that makes us go, wait, what? Like <laughs> kidney failure dialysis and a renal <laughs> yeah. transplant. I mean, these are major, major life events. Tell us a little bit about that journey, because as someone who's been in research and in healthcare all of your life, now suddenly you have this life-threatening disease. Tell us a little bit about that story. Well, this is a story of denial. <laughs> um, no, to be, to be honest, uh, it, it was kind of funny because my area is cardiovascular. Sure. Um, I'm a microvascular surgeon, so I do these really fine surgeries that only a few handfuls of people in the world actually do. Mm -hmm. And so, and I study blood pressure. Right. So funny enough, um, it was a hypertensive crisis in the middle of writing a grant wow. um, where I got, where my retinas were detaching that actually finally got me to walk down the hallway and into what? you know a buddy's doctor's office and say like, listen, there's something going on. Mm -hmm. Wow. And yeah, so so we kind of we kind of had an idea things were going on. It was right when my daughter was born, so she's nine years old this year. Okay. And um and uh, we had a private suite um for, for our, our birth, and there was like all this you know all these testing apparatus sure. in the bathroom that I'm yeah. in there like oh. <laughs> so I, I peed on a protein stick, and uh -huh. sure enough, the thing yeah. was like you know lit up bright purple. Wow. And wow. I, my wife is in the middle of labor. I pointed to her and I go, hey, when you're done with this part, we need to probably take a look at this. Wow. This. Wow. And she wow. Was like, what are you doing yeah so that was kind of the beginning of it um and and then over time um i just found that uh you know stress and and uh the the rigors of, of what i did were really re really uh playing a toll on me so i uh went to, uh, into the renal transplant program um uh back in like 2000 and god 18 ish mm -hmm. 17 wow. but before that i'd been i've been battling the disease for about five or six years so I'm writing a book on it. It should be out in the next year because the, the whole point is that there are ways to stave off um, dialysis for a long time if mm. you have your nutrition correct. Mm -hmm. Wow! And so I managed to do that and it became a runaway train um, in 2018. I was in great shape. Um, my whole plan was to stay in awesome condition mm -hmm. so that when I had to go through this little challenge that it would just be kind of like moonwalking straight through it. Right. And to be honest, like for me, it wasn't, um, I, I actually embraced the challenge and it a lot of really good stuff came out of this uh, inner reflection, mm -hmm. um, wow. you know, meeting meeting uh, death in the eye a few times, uh, you know, with wow. high potassium levels, these yes. kind of things. Uh, a lot of a lot of really cool introspection that you need mm -hmm. at around mm -hmm. fifty years old. Sure, <laughs> to be honest, yeah, yeah. kicking the ass, if you will, right? Yeah. yeah. So so for me for me, um, yeah, I kind of do gloss over, and it's and, and it's not to any disrespect with how difficult this disease is, but there's a couple of things that were going in my favor. One, all I had was kidney damage. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any other organ damage. Mm -hmm. I wasn't diabetic. Right. None of those problems were there. Mm -hmm. I messed up my kidneys. Um, uh, FSGS runs in my family, wow. focal segmental glomerular sclerosis, mm -hmm. scarred up kidneys. Um, and it's associated in, in my lifestyles that I chose for sports are right. all associated with kidney problems. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, my body's taken me a lot of places. Yeah. And I'm very, very proud of this body. Yeah. So, hey, you know, we messed up the musculoskeletal system on the motocross bikes, <laughs> started mucking around with the organs. So now it's kind of time to, to, to make a change. And that's so. So really, really, at the end of the day, 
I was nine months on dialysis. I had a great buddy that I uh, um, lived with during my master's mm -hmm. that stepped up. We were a perfect match. He's a bodybuilder. Wow. Wow. Uh, body size match, diet matched, everything was perfect. Wow. And um, we had that transplant, uh, it'll be three years in October. And wow. to be honest, um, I didn't really like, I didn't miss a beat. Right. And there's a lot, and there's a lot of people that do struggle with disease and sure. it's very, very difficult. But sure. uh, for me, it was honestly like a challenge that I felt that I've, you know, kind of moved through quickly. Um, and now, and now I have to keep my eye on it. Right. I got this sure. beautiful little gem that sits in your belly. I don't know if I, many people know that, but cool. it doesn't, they don't put it back where it was uh -huh. in your belly. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And, uh, and so, you know, you kind of got this constant reminder that you have this beautiful miracle in your, in your spot. So it keeps you, keeps you honest. What a story. Yeah. Wow. I have a feeling Man. that book is going to help a lot of people because I used to work in a hospital and, you know, dialysis patients, they just feel so hopeless and you have chronic, you're heading towards dialysis. What can you do? So I think this book will, will go a long way to help a lot of people. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Because it's it's really, it's a very underfunded disease. Yep. Um, it's underfunded, and I mean, this is political, but it's underfunded because it's not really like a, a sexy like sure. white person disease. Mm -hmm. So so yeah. where the problems come in, in it, it, it it's um advocating. So that's one thing that I use my platform right. for greatly mm -hmm. is advocating for uh, kidney patients. Wow. Um, but also helping out um uh my friends that are in nephrology. Yep. kind of maneuver some of these cases that they have that that um you know are Love difficult it. so i Love have a lot that. of um a lot of transplant patients on my um on my roster that i help consult with on a regular basis yeah man amazing i just can't imagine too being a new dad and then that being coincidental Correct. you know that discovery right. that the sort of right. understanding of your health and that development going through that whole process uh man i i, I can imagine how how altering that would have been to your mm -hmm. just world yeah life life altering yeah and, and you know it was it was it was the right thing i needed because there's not a lot of people who stay as in academics for that long and don't leave yeah so so for me i was always kind of this college student yeah I totally and my wife that. always said that like you gotta shake this college student thing you know all the protein powder on the cut on the countertops <laughs> and prepping meals for myself and like basically living like i'm still in university with a bunch of roommates right <laughs> and so so uh it, it was really a, really an interesting one um because it really allowed me to open my eyes up to the very high importance of parenting right. and yeah i just it, it, i wouldn't i wouldn't uh trade this kidney experience for anything amazing wow. amazing wow. Yeah, might have shortened my life a little but it's going to be a lot more fruitful i'll tell for you for sure wow for sure oh man it's hard to even move off that uh to something else and so but i'm gonna do it okay so yeah you're, let's go <laughs> physiology right this is this is the the bread and butter and you've worked a lot not only in the cardio perspective but uh with with bodybuilders as well and so we have we haven't really focused a lot on on this particular pot aspect of sure. myths, I guess, around bodybuilders and physiology. So can we're going to run through a couple of these, if that's all right with you. Like the Absolutely. first one that comes up is pretty much every time I take it, anyone who's read an internet bodybuilding article takes it creatine. Um, and there's a lot of different thoughts out there about how safe it is. Can it actually harm your kidneys? Does it cause water retention? Does it actually help to repair, build muscle, all those sort of things? So what's your take on creatine? Creatine... Um Thank God for creatine in the supplement world. So like, I mean, it started coming out in the nineties when I was like right in the heyday of my, like, you know, in my twenties bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. And I remember EAS, you know, brought out their phosphagen and it was a really, really cool product and everything. And it's funny cause it's uh, creatine monohydrate hasn't stopped um, teaching us how great of a supplement that it really is because it, okay. it works. Like mm -hmm. it's one of the, one of the few with beyond reasonable doubt that we know do work for muscle building. 
Uh, they do work for muscle wasting and muscle wasting diseases. Uh, it, it works very, very well uh, as a brain support agent now, we're just starting to learn. Hmm. And we're starting to learn that actually it's uh, highly safe and very effective in children, especially children, oh. you know, that may be suffering with neuro uh, atypical uh, disorders like uh, ADHD and whatnot. So hmm. it's quite a remarkable, remarkable product. Um, now, in terms of the health consequences of taking it, uh, there's there's have, have been a lot of uh, uh, speculative or you know anecdotal um, reports that you know causes kidney damage right. and all these things. One of the the things people need to kind of understand this is really relevant to uh, talking to a diagnostics company, right? Right. Is that uh, creatinine isn't like this poison? So creatinine this is the this is the this is the byproduct of creatine metabolism as well right. as protein metabolism in general. Right. Mm -hmm. Creatinine isn't poisonous. I mean, my my creatinine levels were up around eighteen hundred before wow. I, before I went on dialysis. Oh it's actually just a marker for kidney clearance. Mm -hmm. So if we're not clearing creatinine, which should be cleared by the kidneys and as a re result of protein intake, then um, then we probably have some kidney damage. Now, where the problem, where the kind of the disjointedness comes in, I think, in the conversations about creatinine and creatine and kidney problems is that people who are kidney compromised and many people are especially bodybuilders that don't even know it right um when they take creatine they will see their creatinine levels go up which creatinine is used as a calculating factor the major calculating factor in their uh gfr which is their kidney function mm -hmm. so creatinine intake can lead to um uh i guess misdiagnosed kidney problems in people who have slight kidney compromise because their creatinine levels go up when they take it. Got yeah. It. And so that's, I think, where the health part came in, whether, you know, it was bad for your kidneys. Sure. But to be honest, there's tons, there are tons of cl clinical trials and whatnot that show that there are, there isn't kidney damage per se in a normal healthy population who take uh, creatine monohydrate products. Yeah. So if I can try to make sure I, I heard that correctly. So it's not that creatine uh, or for that matter, creatinine, its byproduct are directly injurious it's more that it can elucidate uh, to, to maybe some of the minor dysfunctions that may already be there, I guess. Or falsely, like falsely alter your false GFR. False elevations. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, falsely alter. 100%, yeah. So a false elevation in creatinine caused by creatine consumption yep. Got it. can then lead to a false uh, low measurement or calculation of your EGFR, or your kidney function. Okay. Yeah. Well, that and that's sense. why, I, I, that's usually where the association is made. Now, in my case, um, I don't use cre uh, creatine despite the fact that it works great um, because it can throw off my blood work. Mm. And because creatinine is the surrogate, the blood surrogate that is used to calculate your uh, your GFR, mm -hmm. right. mainly, um, then you kind of don't want those numbers meandering all sure. over the place. Right. Especially because, you, right. Yeah, especially me, right? Yes. <laughs> people in my people in my state. So that's why that's why I avoid it. But to be honest, like I've taken I've I've taken it when I formulate supplements, I use them, and mm -hmm. I and I've taken it for you know weeks on it, and it doesn't affect my kidney function or anything. I just make sure I don't take it before blood work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. so, but 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 as as a whole, it's a wonderful, amazing product, cheap, mm -hmm. effective, and uh, doesn't cause really any side effects in people. Yeah. All right. That's been my experience. Go ahead. I didn't. Oh no no, no go go go. Yeah yeah. So that has been my. Uh, relationship with it as well because I re didn't really take it at all and when I started exercising I decided to take it at one point I noticed not like with B vitamins or with fish oils or anything like this I noticed immediately how how my recovery was getting better my actual exercise was getting better uh, it was pretty amazing and 
from a physiologic perspective, you know, I, I've studied and we've studied a lot around the, the idea of methylation and the methylation process and all the things that are related to that from a biochemistry standpoint. But when I learned that one third of all methylation reactions is to create uh, creatine, that's when I understood how important creatine was to just our general system. See, see. 100 percent. And, and, and knowing that um, also how important cre uh, creatine, because most of the ingested creatine we get is coming from meat. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, uh, and the amino acids needed to re, uh, reformulate that in the body or, or you know, uh, reestablish creatine levels also come from meat. So people who are vegetarians and vegans tend to benefit even more Makes from sense. creatine supplementation. Makes mm. sense. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, I think we all agree creatine rocks. Okay. <laughs> I think we've just established that. Yeah. Well, as someone who has spent years and years and years in the supplement industry yourself, what do you think is the most overhyped supplement, in your opinion? Ooh. Yeah. This is a yeah. hard one. What's overhyped, yo? What's overhyped? Yeah. Like, not that it's bad. It's just, like, mm -hmm. overhyped. Yeah. Right, okay, specific. I'm going I'm to put it in a category. Okay. Okay. Okay, so, so, so because, uh, so I think, I think that high-stim pre-workouts, so high-stimulant pre-workouts okay. are overhyped. Okay. And I think they make people overhyped. <laughs> literally <laughs> and then and then they come to me with their adrenal function issues sure. because they don't know why they can't sleep and they feel like crap all day long mm. yeah and it's generally i get them off the high stimulation so yeah so i i think stimulants have a, um um i would be a hypocrite to say that stimulants aren't really awesome to work out on okay mm -hmm. <laughs> but but now that we have all this whole category of products that you can choose, pick your poison with. Right. I think we're getting a little too deep, especially in the 18 to 24 crowd, mm -hmm. um, with the stimulants and thinking that's the that's the reason, that's the impetus for them to go work out. Mm. Is they sense. take this high stim stuff and go work out. I think that I think that's probably a, a little more hyped for good, and I think it's a little bit of everybody will have to get off those stimulants for sure. Yeah. <laughs> at All one right. point. Well, yeah. that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Um, and I guess there's this is kind of going into two parts because kind of we're talking to the pre-workout. I also wonder about the post-workout routine and, and what might be going on there. But part of that post-workout is also just general recovery, which is not something that a lot of high endurance athletes, you know, really appreciate to the degree that maybe they should. Um, so can you talk about like recovery, doing less to help you build more? Um, it's what's that related to? Is that is more about cortisol being catabolic like talk a little bit about the recovery aspect yeah so um when we're talking about so are we going to talk about aerobic versus anaerobic or um like so so basically like you know you'd mentioned you'd mentioned kind of um um like aerobic or endurance kind of stuff um in endurance uh absolutely recovery is a little bit different than say in um strength training mm-hmm so, so in endurance, actually, endurance takes a really big toll on your nervous system as well as um, uh, your um, immunity, mm. and it's mainly because it's a, such a sustained for a lot for most. It's such a sustained effort, mm. and especially if you're doing it quasi competitively, um, then the, the then the overall stress on the body is very very high. And so, so with uh, with runners, um, the real interesting thing, also the, at least the ones that I've encountered in my my practice, is that they don't tend to focus on nutrition as much as say the people that are trying to build aesthetic mm -hmm. aesthetics. Right. Mm -hmm. right. However, it actually is really super duper important sure. in endurance exercise because you're just chewing up those calories over time. Right. So, so um, the things to really look for um, for kind of that overtraining or it's time for a rest 
is when your um, split times, if you're, you know, if you're running, if your split times are starting to drop, even despite the fact, you know, that you're um, uh, taking rest, then it's probably time for an extended rest. If your heart rate, your resting heart rate's starting to elevate over time, so a lot of people have wearables, um, it's pretty easy when you look at the graphs on them to see that, oh, wow, my resting heart rate's gone up by, you know, five, 10 beats per minute over the last couple of weeks. Mm. Always a, a really good sign. And then just general um, malaise and fatigue, like how you feel. Listen to your body. Don't force yourself to go out and do that run if you know you've put in 100 miles, you know, that week. Mm -hmm. So it's really a matter of that. On top of that is in that recovery period, you have to really focus on high nutrition. So really high levels of antioxidants, uh, um, antioxidants in the diet from like fruits, berries, these kind of things. Um, and really, really focusing on high quality protein sources to make sure that you're repairing the muscle mass. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And that, that would, that kind of is kind of in a nutshell, what I give for runners when they're, you know, when they're, um, in tune with their bodies and they're using a wearable, mm -hmm. generally speaking, uh, those endurance exercises, that's kind of what we see now, if it, if, if things get worse, so if we let things go to what's called uh, red S, which is relative energy deficiency in sport. Um, then we start seeing in women, we'll see a lack of menses. Uh, we'll see, you know, the inability to recover. So, you know, their training sessions time after time are just, you know, poor and uh, sleep quality starts going really badly in the tank. Mm -hmm. You start seeing those symptoms. Now we got to start making sure we're focusing on diet, uh, um, general nutrition around your diet, and then also high quality sleep and recovery. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah. You've, you've talked about nutrition several times in there. And you know, when most people hear the word athlete or bodybuilder, it's protein, 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 protein. What other macro micronutrients are wrongfully ignored, do you think, in athletics? Oh, yes. <laughs> this is actually why the people are having trouble recovering. See? Yeah. Um, so this is this is a funny one because this has been my platform for years. Mm -hmm. Uh is getting like okay, the macronutrition we got figured out. Like we still have people talking about, oh, you got to get the protein. Got the pro I'm pretty sure we've driven that one home. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. The message we lost was eating vegetables and berries mm. and, 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 and some fruits. And the point is that uh, there's a couple reasons that, that, this is, that this doesn't exist in, in, in these diets, but there's also a couple reasons why we need to make sure it exists. So the reason why the aesthetic community so the, the major fitness community, the, the major purchasers of supplements and whatnot mm -hmm. are um, uh, running these diet, running diets that are very, very low in micronutrition and very, very high in macronutrition yep. is because they want to um, maximize their gut health because when they eat fibrous vegetables and whatnot, they feel full, bloated, gassy, mm -hmm. unmotivated, and what generally happens then is then they start looking to influencers about, you know, what helped their guts and they go to like extremes like carnivore diet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Now it makes sense that if, um, fibers are causing us gas and bloating and whatnot to eliminate those, if there wasn't benefits associated with eating those mm -hmm. nutrients, mm. but no one questions the fact that about, about why, why is it that I can't digest fiber? And that's right. usually the big problem with the vegetables. Right. And that's because their gut health's sure. gone sideways right. and but and they perpetuated even further by a high protein, low micronutrient diet. Mm -hmm. So this has been actually kind of funny because I'm, I've been alive long enough now that 
the stuff that my mom fed me in the 70s that actually made me a really good athlete and an amazing bodybuilder, you know, I could put on weight, take off weight like nothing, Yeah. was balancing my meals with colors. Imagine that. Right? <laughs> and it's really neat because I had no clue why she would tell, tell me, you know, like, okay, like, and it was funny, like, she would say to me, like, are you eating uh, vegetables when I was away? And I'd be like, yeah. And she'd be like, what color are they? What color were the ones on your plate today? Oh. And if I said I had, well, I had cabbage, broccoli, and asparagus, she'd be like, you need orange and yellow. (laughs) And yeah, Mm. and and, and what's really neat about it is I never really understood, like, I just kind of thought it was a little weird hippie thing. And, and, uh, (laughs) but, but the actual point is she was telling me basic to to have diversity and variety as well as density in my diet. And by having all these different colors, what she was saying was have a bunch of different phytonutrients. Sure. Yep. Because these phytonutrients are really good for antioxidant value, as well as producing these short-chain fatty acids that our good guts do. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, but so that's what I do in body. That's what I've been doing in bodybuilding. To tell you the truth, is cool. literally putting people on these bright, colorful diets. Yay. And then they think I'm a miracle worker because <laughs> they get their gut health on point. And once they get their gut health on point, then they can consume these mass amounts of calories yeah. without having a bunch of digestive distress. Yep. Makes sense. Yeah. And My- Michael and I know, I mean, we look at stool testing all day long, as sure. you know, Dr. Jackson, and some really, you know, high at- high quality athletes, special ops, and most of their guts are trash. So I love yep. what you're saying because we see it all the time. Yeah, but all those fruits and yep. vegetables have carbohydrates in them, and we all know <laughs> that carbohydrates are pure evil. And that is, you yes. got it, Mike. That's like, <laughs> yes. Isn't it funny? Because, like, because here's the thing, is, like, they think... It's, it's wild. So, so when I put it, when I put a cup of blueberries in someone's breakfast on top of their, like, you know, 10 egg whites and, right. and, and some bison, mm-hmm. um, some good prebiotic fiber, you know, mm-hmm. good, ac- excellent, excellent polyphenols. And they'll look at me and be like a cup of blueberries. And I'm like, it's 88 calories. <laughs> like, it's it's eighty like you, it, the amount of energy you're going to use to push those out of your butt when you're done eating them. Right. <laughs> right. And the, the funny part is, the the, the the funniest part is when they say, "Well, I don't even know what those blueberries are doing because they just show up in my in my bowel movement when I'm done. Just they don't even look like I chewed them." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "And that's there because you go. your gut health. So there you go. That we're not digesting. There so, you go. Right. So, so and it's and it's funny because because there's so many influencers out there saying, "Well, then eliminate it. Get rid of it. Well." Elimination diets absolutely have a place for this because we have to get rid of the um, the factors that are causing inflammation and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But reintroduction is also just as right. important when we're finished doing that. Right. Right. Yeah. So, right. so yeah. So we, we're missing that in the fitness industry, and, and I'm I'm slowly trying to fix that with my courses I teach yes. and with Good. everything else. So I've got Love a gut that. health course coming out uh, this fall in November cool. that we're going to be going through. The whole idea that, that periodizing your nutrition mm-hmm. over time when you're one of these aesthetic athletes is imperative to becoming a champion because the part that's missing is there's on-season, off-season, mm-hmm. right? But there's actually a transition season from on-season where you're you know competing mm-hmm. to the off-season, and that's where I rebuild the guts. Mm-hmm. Love that. And my athletes get pissed because it changes their schedule for competition because until I get their blood work back, and um, and I see their stool samples and I see everything else coming back to normal. We don't push calories. Uh, we don't push the, the, the performance enhancing drugs because they mm-hmm. also wreck your guts. Right. And all that stuff has to stay on pause until we're back to normal, if, yeah. if there's such a thing. 
Yeah. And, yeah. And, and the great athletes are the ones that actually have the worst gut health, which is we really, we see it too. really wild. You're yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. And you were talking about endurance athletes and not only how it can, you know, wreck an immune or wreck a, a GI system, but how it also can impact the immune system. Is that mostly through just its long-term cortisol effect um, where just long-term you're raising cortisol over and over and over. And then, you know, if that is the case, I wonder about the burnout aspect that we tend to see with cortisol as well. I mean, is there mm-hmm. a part where all of a, now, now they can't even produce or they're not producing as much cortisol and they're still immune to, immune deficient, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so this is a neat one. So I had a um, I had a client. Uh, he just finished up with me uh, a few months ago. He was a um, swim run athlete, okay. which I never knew existed, right? But these were like hundred mile, like hundred milers wow. kind of thing, hundred mile runs with these crazy feats of swimming. Hmm. And uh, he was uh, world ranked, like top ten. Wow. And um, he came to me with exactly what you're talking about. Like he just he had he had basically had um, all of the you know the signs that people talk about with adrenal fatigue. Sure. Um, adrenal fatigue. I don't, I don't tend to call it adrenal fatigue so much because you know it's not it's not tired. Right. Um, but but you know insufficiencies, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. And so so he uh, so he he showed all this. And it was really neat. So we started going through his diet. Of course, you know, I go through his diet and it's just pathetic. Like the the amount of calories he's eating, he's eating like eighteen hundred calories a day. Wow. Right. What? But he's expending like thousands of calories what? exercising. Sure. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my- and I, I'm thinking to myself, like, how do you even manage right. to, to, to be like a world ranked right. um, athlete? Mm. So we went through this for quite a while. It was really tough because his gut health was like in the tank. He had severe anxiety, um, all, all the signs of poor gut health, but also, you know, the mental health aspects. Mm-hmm. And so we uh, we took time to build his calories. Now, we didn't trust it. <laughs> he he mm-hmm. It was a real problem. Like I really had to work with this. Yeah. But the moment we got his calories flipped over to like the 4,000 range. Like yeah. so, so well right. over double what he was eating. Right. Everything changed for him. See. In fact, he, he was even, he even had issues with fertility that then now they have a baby. So See. really, yeah. So, so really, really, really neat. Right. But that was yeah. all that was, to be honest, that was purely nutrition. Now you asked about cortisol. Absolutely. His cortisol was completely dysregulated. In fact, in the morning when he woke up, he had very little cortisol release. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's why he felt so tired and whatnot, right. getting up in the morning. And then by mid-afternoon, he had really high cortisol that prevailed into the evening, which is exactly why he felt anxious all day long mm-hmm. and uh, and had trouble with sleep sure. in the evening. Yeah. Sure. So, so but, uh, but again, that's, that's, that's what we see is dysregulation more than anything mm-hmm. of um, cortisol and uh catecholamines in general makes sense yeah yeah totally well and it's interesting because you kind of looped in there a little bit of some of the other aspects around mental health and then also the fertility with this particular client um and you know it's just on average superior athletes bodybuilders they just push themselves harder and harder and harder and i i wonder about maybe the harm in something like body dysmorphia in your clients or or just this idea of the compulsion to to continue to push yeah you're speaking to him <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> no seriously it's yeah. funny i just i just had a conversation with my wife about this um so you spend your whole life from the time you're like 13 years old prepping food and and uh you know doing everything right you compete as a pro motocross racer you know throughout your formative years so all you have is a focus on on you know performance then you go through your 20s you, you know bodybuilding was great because during during my motocross years it was, uh, I, I needed to be bigger because I was a young pro athlete. Most guys are in their 20s. 
So now you start dabbling in some anabolic steroids while you're racing dirt bikes and put on some muscle and you're looking good. And now you're winning races all the time in the pro class, but then injury sets in and you got to quit. So you go into this loop where you decide, okay, well, I look like a bodybuilder, so I might as well just go down this road. Right. And it was really neat because what bodybuilding did for me um, was allowed me to, I, I have a superpower where I can eat like forever. <laughs> and we hate I, you. I, 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 I talk, well, it's funny. I talk to my clients, you know, who, who are overweight that want to lose weight and everything. I talk to them. I say, it's a superpower. We just got to get it under control because most people can't eat. Right. And so when you can eat as much as you want, you won't get frail as you get older. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so I always had this thing that bodybuilding is a neat one for body dysmorphia because what it does is it brings in the misfits that, um, the real good athletes, like the guys who can make it to the, the heavyweight class, the open class, like I, I was in, you have to be able to eat till it's uncomfortable and then eat some more. Mm. And so for me, that was really easy. But what it was, was it was a, um, it was an accumulation of body dysmorphia uh, maneuvers because what it was, I'd bulk up, I'd diet down for my shows, I'd bulk up, mm. I'd diet down for my shows. So when people say, you know, I lost accumulation of 300 pounds over life, I probably lost thousands of pounds because, because wow. you know, every time I do a show, I would lose 50, 60 pounds wow. oh my and then God. put it all back on in a week or two and then oh my God. And the cycle continues. So, so it's really neat because then you get to 50, mm -hmm. right? And your body, you're on, you're on uh, immunosuppressants and mTOR inhibitors that, right. you know, are basically right. stopping protein synthesis. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. your team said, if you don't lose a hundred pounds of muscle, we ain't going to put a kidney in you. Wow. Mm -hmm. So I had to lose, like I had to go from a 265 pound bodybuilder down to 165 pounds. So, wow. um, it, so it's really, so, so I've, I've been kind of a good case study for body dysmorphia. Cause now I look at it and I said to my wife the other day, I said, I have to like stop the bodybuilding thing. Yeah. Because I'm having so many injuries, like I'm tearing muscles and everything else now that I'm on this medication. Right. That I have to change who I am. I have to, I have to like stop associating yeah. with the 265 pound right. man yeah. that spent his whole life doing it. Right. Wow. So, so I teach this thing. I teach this thing for the bodybuilders because I'm like I'm like the o, the OG wise guy, right? <laughs> so, so my first bodybuilding show, I was completely natural. I was 154 pounds on stage, and I won. Mm, right. Cool. And I was 17. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then I, over time I built, you know, I built this body, built this body, built this body till I was on stage at, you know, 225 pounds. Wow. And what was really neat is when I go back, cause right now I'm dieting, mm -hmm. right? Here right. we go again. Mm -hmm. right. Um, and I look at it, I'm going to be 154 pounds. Wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. Wow. So what was the area under the curve mm -hmm. of this experience? Do I know what? It was really just like driven by body dysmorphia and ego. See, <laughs> like, yeah. really, like, sorry to my bodybuilder friends, but no. the things that the things that filled that area under the curve were literally not healthy, mm -hmm. and they really didn't pay me. Right. Um, I was in you know, university was what was getting me to the pay the, the, the paycheck. Right. Mm -hmm. So so at the end of the, at the end of the day, really, it was um it was just it was driven by my my ability to eat and my discipline to not eat. And my ability to eat and my discipline to not eat. Mm. So, so really, to be honest, a lot of these sports, um, if you're not already dysmorphic when you come into it, uh, you, you, there's a high likelihood that you will be um, when you're done with it. Right. Um, and keep that in check because, you know, your health at the end of the day is, is paramount to surviving, you know, 
through your 30s and 40s. And yeah. It's just not talked about. It's really not talked about. And to your point, you're like, I'm so sorry to my bodybuilding friends. I'm like, no, we should really be talking about this. So I'm so glad that you're out yeah. there pushing this message forward, Dr. Jackson. Yeah, and it's not just it, bodybuilding it, too, right? And, and elite athlete, athleticism all across the board. I mm -hmm. mean, what we find is these people tend to be very unhealthy on average at a right. cellular level. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, and mentally, mentally, uh, mentally, like it is. And, and, you know, it's funny. I don't know if you follow Goob or not online. He does all these like... He, he's basically going and, and looking at these fitness influencers and then showing that they're manipulating their their, their pictures and whatnot. Wow. Hmm. And wow. um, I actually just I just commented on a post the, yesterday. I said this, you know, it's great that you're calling these people out, but actually this highlights a real problem because these people have amazing physiques. Yeah. Why are they tweaking mm -hmm. their freaking tricep yeah. by a quarter of a millimeter? Like that's what should be questioned. Not not so much like, oh, hey, you're an ass for manipulating this. I actually feel bad for these people. I yeah. feel sorry for them because they're literally in the state of dysmorphia that's so deep. They have a million and a half followers yeah. and they're manipulating their, their, their image. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, you know, we, we've talked a lot about athleticism mm. and bodybuilding so far, but in addition to high level athletes, you also work with patients with chronic illness, like heart disease, diabetes, significant obesity. Um, which is the the work of the people, Dr. Jackson. That's amazing. But how different is that approach for you from a nutrition and coaching mindset? Like how big of a switch is this for you? Yeah, it's it's a it's a big one. Um, but it's really similar in uh, in philosophy. So I am a um, I'm a people fixer, mm -hmm. and I'm not a people breaker. So <laughs> when I work with my my pro athletes, I'm out to fix them, and if they're not willing to fix like to be part of this crusade of fixing themselves, then, um, I, I don't want to be part of it. So, right. so really I use the same philosophy is that, you know, we're trying to fix a situation, um, that that's, is, is leading to, you know, health consequences that are, they're deleterious. So we want to fix those. Mm -hmm. Um, so really, honestly, it, it's really neat because a lot of my clients come to me with like, I need this, right. They fill out their intake form and I ask them like, what do they want? And there's like, generally it's three things. It's, it's, I want to live a healthier life. Um, I want to lose 126 pounds and I want to be able to, you know, do X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting is they come up with this, this weight, um, arbitrarily because yeah. they have no clue where they're going to be happy, especially when, you know, some, my, one of my clients is over 800 pounds. Wow. Um, wow. so how do you know, even know where that sits? Sure. Mm -hmm. So for me, actually, we start out with a diet, right? I give them the diet. We do all the regular stuff. But generally, it actually turns into a lot of psychological counseling. Sure. Mm. And a lot of times, my clients start not looking at the scale so much, but looking at their non-scale victories. Right. And um, I just had a, a client that when she started with me last January, so she hasn't been with me for a year yet, mm -hmm. um, she gave me like this list of things. She had a continuous glucose monitor on her. She was like, she was, she was geared up to the nines, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, she'd eat breakfast and then I would get a report on her blood glucose over time and you know uh her weight she'd weigh herself three or four times a day and she'd give mm -hmm. me all these bio, bio biometrics back right right and so we ended up actually doing a whole bunch of psychological work and I said we're not going to do scales we're not going to do get rid of that CGM like get all that stuff off you and need enough and she had the fear of carbs by the way Mike exactly yeah. like, you know what I mean like <laughs> right you got me on carbs like this is ridiculous I'm yeah. keto right <laughs> mm -hmm. anyway um as of today this woman runs these 25 mile rucksack races with like these what? 50 pound backpacks on her back. 
She does these stair climbs in New York City, like up these massive, like these races up the up to the top of these buildings. Oh, uh, she's doing nauseous. a duathlon in the fall. <laughs> Holy cow! Right? Yeah. And and she's just basically outgrown, completely outgrown her previous mindset. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is something that's sustainable. Yep. And doable. For a long time her son goes on 5k runs with her yeah. like these are all these are all massive massive lifestyle changes that to me like they just they they hit me right in the heart yeah. like yeah. the athletes are easy right they're machines yeah. you say change your calories by this much and they hit it bang on right right because they're pros that's right. what they do yeah but when you can pull someone from you know that you know basically uh not leaving their house Wow. to going out and, you know, running and, you know, doing rucksack races and stuff. That to me is where you've really, you know, you've really accomplished something. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, that comes back to a shifted mindset, right? I mean, that, that shifted mindset has to be there. Otherwise the outcome doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you have, a, so, so what we do is we create a um, health mindset and I do the same with my bodybuilders. I basically tell them like, you've got yourself a high workplace injury career. Yeah. I don't, I don't judge them by it. I was a bodybuilder myself. And to tell you the truth, that's a lot of these guys, that's all they got. They didn't, you know, go through university while they were doing it. They, mm -hmm. they started bodybuilding and that's what they do now. Mm -hmm. Right. So how do we make this so you can actually survive this career? And it's the same thing, health mindset. Right. Yeah. Love so, it. And that, and that's, that's how we do it. So, you know, measuring our blood pressure, meditating, breathing exercises, vegetables, flax, fiber, you name it all yeah. in there. Love it. And that's the only thing we can do. Love that. Well, speaking with working with the people, um, <laughs> this is normally the point where I ask something that's completely uh, just about me. Self-serving. That's Michael right. uses this as his platform <laughs> for his own health. Just so you know, <laughs> Dr. Jackson, here it comes. Go ahead, Michael. Well, the thought I had, because you were talking about, you know, basically rest and recovery and understanding that and kind of the elite athletes, whether that's aerobic or anaerobic, but somebody who has a problem like dabbling in and getting in and staying, you know, like the, like that first 30 to 60 day window, like what would you say, how do I maintain a little bit of a better perspective around getting into the workout and doing it every day and overdoing it and then crashing or having an illness and then falling out like got any thoughts around that because i think that is very very common it is getting on the horse and like falling gangbusters off the and then yeah. something happens and you fall away yeah yeah so, so um what i've been really trying to promote in my client base which is like we said very diverse is to um it's it's really important to make sure what you're doing isn't a means to an end, okay. right? So for okay. a lot of people going to the gym is a means to this image they have of themselves sometime in the future. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I, I study a lot of the, the works of like Eckhart Tolle and these mm -hmm. kind of things about yeah. presence and yeah. mindfulness and this kind of stuff. And one thing that I know for myself with um, training, right? Like I'm sitting in my gym right now, is that like for me, the actual training each training session is a focused effort okay. because I love it. Mm -hmm. My wife hates it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She does it because she knows she has to. Maintenance. Right. She falls off easy. Yeah. Right. She's, so we got COVID last week, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in here working out. She's like, oh, you're going to get sick again. Um, she's, uh, she's like, I got to get back on my, my training again. With running, no problem though. She, running? Mm-hmm. She'll go out and she'll rip out for, a, you know, a 10, 10K run or, you know, a six mile run or whatever. No problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, she loves running. Mm -hmm. So the point I'm getting to, just like diet, the best diet is one that you'll stick to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, the best training that you can do is one that you're actually excited to go do each time. So if you're forcing yourself to go in the gym for whatever reason, you may find that actually workouts, other, other, other types of workouts are going to be much more sustainable for you yeah. in that period of time. And that's, that's a tough one for guys who like really love weight training. Like, I mean, it's like, well, what the hell do you mean? You don't like going in the gym and just sitting there by yourself and listening to death metal. <laughs> um, it, <laughs> I just explained myself, but, um, uh, it, it's, it's, it's really, it's really for, for a lot of people, um, that, 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 that intensity and that effort it takes to actually push forward. They might, they might like running cycling better. Yeah. Right. Right. right? Yeah. And so, so really sustainability is, is the key here. And, and it is like with anything falling off diets or anything, it's, it's, you have to kind of commit almost on a personal level or on a personal level to that thing, that modality, whatever it is, and make it something that you're actually excited to do. So when you're sick, you're like, shit, I can't work out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like that. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. That makes sense. All right. So there's a lot of people out here listening and I'm sitting across from one who are trying to figure out how they can sign up to work with you. Yeah, that's right. So how can Michael sign up to work with you, Dr. Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> Where can people go? You've already got an intake. You can see the physical <laughs> specimen. I know the audience can't, but I'm like 140 pounds so, soaking wet. I was going to say, you're the, you're the perfect, you're actually the model entrance, uh, entrance level because we got, yes. we got this like <laughs> this good palette to work with, right? Love it. Um, um, so no, uh, uh, so people can re uh, reach me if they want to check out my, uh, who I am, um, uh, .com. So mm -hmm. pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on socials. So mainly Instagram. I usually just push everything from Instagram. So mm -hmm. if you want to connect with me, you can DM me at drdnjackson. Um, mm -hmm. and that's my uh, handle for all my socials. So. I got a new YouTube channel. It's going to be nice. firing up soon. Yes. Got a podcast channel coming up. Yes. So uh, yeah, lots of lots of good stuff. Well, that's Excellent. awesome. Well, yeah. Dr. Jackson, this is jam packed full of amazing information that I'm going to have to listen to several times to yeah. absorb it all. And I assume it's fine to call you to have you back on at any time, right? Because <laughs> now we know how to get you. One hundred percent. But we can't thank you enough for spending time with us. And like I said, the audience is going to eat this up. But mm. before we let you go, we do have one final question that I'm going to kick to Michael Chapman that we call the fireball. It's a kooky end the of the fireball. interview, spontaneous catch you off catch you off guard question. Okay. And uh, so I know you being a parent, uh, I think you said you have a nine-year-old. Um, I have a nine-year-old, I have a 21-year-old, or 22-year-old, and a 19-year-old. Wow. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So I, this is more specific to, I think, the last nine years, but I'm wondering, uh, no, we can expand it. What is the best, like, recent kids movie? Because as a fellow parent of an eight-year-old, I know, for myself at least, a lot of times I have to suffer through some of these things, and they're actually not that bad. So I'm wondering, what's a really, really great recent kids movie that you've loved? Okay, well, we, uh, so, so first of all, <laughs> I don't sit down for five minutes. I was going to wonder, too. I thought about setting this up. I was like, I don't even think he's, he's probably not so watching it. I had to dig in the memory banks for this one. Yeah. Um, yeah, funny enough, it's been, that's been an ongoing thing in my family is that I, you know, I don't have the, the, uh, the interest, like it's kind of like running. I don't have the interest in TV that much. Oh. My daughters love it. So, mm. um, so the movie, the latest movie we've been watching, and my um, my my nine year old, she just like she's enthralled by this whole series. 
is uh, the Harry Potter stuff. Oh, that's yes, that's yeah. Michael. Yeah, so we've been Michael reading even, the books. He even we, looks like him. Look I've at him. I've been reading the books to my daughter. We're on the third book, and so it's yes, perfect. It's a big thing. Yes. That's yeah. Awesome. So we start. So yeah. So she's on like the, I don't know how many books there are. She's on the one that's like. <laughs> So it's some guy from Af- Af- Afghanistan, the, Basca- <laughs> the prisoner of Azkaban. From Azkaban yes, yes, <laughs> that's the same book, book three, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, perfect. Okay, yeah. So that, so that's what we just. So she's just finishing that one. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we started watching the movies in behind that. Yep. Nice. So she reads the book. Yeah. So, so that that's that one's been awesome. Yeah, that's. Because she, she, she's right into that whole like you know that whole thing. She has her own little alchemy uh, set up in her yes. kitchen. How room. awesome is that? That's amazing. Yeah. Aww, Same sweet. thing going on in our house, man. It's, it's lovely. Yeah. Well, great minds think alike. That's, That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, Dr. Dwayne Jackson, we can't thank you enough for spending time. We're going to link to your website and all your programs in the show notes so that everyone can find you. And again, to Michael's point, hopefully this is the first of many more appearances to come. Yeah. Let's do it. Yes. Make it a regular thing. I love it. Thanks so much. Glad we have a new friend. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, man, what a cool guy. How fortunate are we to meet all these really smart, cool people? Super fortunate. We've learned so much doing this podcast. It's uncanny. We certainly don't deserve it. It's like we fell out of the lucky tree and hit every branch (laughs) on the way down. But even just talking to Dr. Jackson, there's so much information there. I'm going to have to listen to this several times just to get it all in. And to take a health scare like that and right. turn it around into something so positive wow. and, and such a message of resilience, right. you know, to carry to right. other people. It's uh, it's very inspiring. Very much so. I didn't know they put the kidney in your abdomen. See, that's learn weird. something new every day, Michael Chapman. That's, that's like what a weird ha- place to put a kidney. Yeah, that's what you get when you listen to the lab report. Next time on The Lab Report, we're going to talk all about honey. We can get Christine to talk about her bees. I've got so many questions about bees. You do? Yeah, like, do they have knees? Do they actually have knees? Wow. That happened. That just happened right there. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. So I heard your sister Terry uh, left us uh, some stars. She left us a three. And she (laughs) left the three because she said, oh, look, it's right in the middle. I was like, wait, you're my sister. You're supposed to give me a five star. Three, it's right in the middle. So her and Joe, using the same logic, I guess. That's right. (laughs) We should set them up.